unusual manifestations. Okay, let's get started. Holy Spirit, we need you on the teaching end, and we also need you on the receiving end. In Jesus' name. And those in agreement said, Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk about unusual manifestations. There's three types of manifestations, the way I categorize them. The first type is a biblical manifestation, that which is clearly taught in the Bible. The second type is an anti-biblical manifestation, that which is clearly taught against in the Bible. And the third category is an extra-biblical manifestation, that which is neither taught in the Bible nor neither prohibited or taught against in the Bible. So tonight I want to give examples of all three. The first of the three types of manifestations is biblical manifestations. In Acts 2.17 through 20 it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, that's a sign, or a manifestation of the spirit. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out of those out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven, above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. So we know that this was on the day of Pentecost. What had just happened? They had an unusual sign, didn't they? They had tongues of fire appear. They separated and rested upon each of the 120 present in the upper room's head. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with diverse tongues, tongues that were known languages, dialectos, dialects, that were unknown to the speakers, but known to the hearers, and it named 16 different people groups in that passage right before we hear this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, Peter gets up and shares. So we see dreams, we see visions, we see prophecy, we see tongues of fire. We see, before the great notable day of the Lord comes, these are the things that you're going to see. And they are biblical <laughs> manifestations. Remember this, God never violates his word. Amen? But he has no problem violating your interpretation of it. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Say love, thought to ponder, pause and reflect. God never violates his word. 66 books of the Bible, it clearly lines out. His will is his word. Amen? Never violates his word, but he has no problem violating your or my interpretation of it. Or our misinterpretation of it. Or our lack of interpretation. There are things that you've probably seen in these services... That the first time you saw him, you thought, hmm, is that God? But then you looked at the fruit of it, you're like, wow, that person was delivered or healed. It was outside of my denominational understanding. It was outside of my scriptural understanding. But when I went home with an open heart and an open mind, and I went to study the scriptures like a good Berean to see if these things were so, and I began to read out of the scriptures what was there, instead of bringing my personal doctrine or belief system 
to the scriptures and read into them what I already believed when I was teachable and read out of the word and allowed the word to change me instead of me being unteachable and bringing my doctrine to the scriptures and trying to make the scriptures fit what I already believe, all of a sudden, I began to say, oh my gosh, there's more to God than I realized. Come on. You know, we're talking about biblical manifestations, those that line up with scripture, anti-biblical manifestations, those that are clearly prohibited, warned against, or against scripture, and extra-biblical manifestations. The first one, Acts 2, 17 through 20. In the last days, I'm going to do these things, and they're going to happen when? Before the notable day of the Lord. Now, the notable day of the Lord hasn't yet come, has it? He'll split that eastern sky with the trumpet. That hasn't happened yet. So we know we're in the last days, and we're closer to the last days today than we were yesterday, right? Okay? And he always saves the best wine for the what? Amen. So the book of Acts was the flashpoint, not the climax. The book of Acts was the flashpoint, not the climax. So, with all due respect, the book of Acts should be our floor, not our ceiling. If he saves the best wine for the last, the book of Acts, as he begins to wind things up, Signs and wonders, angelic visitations will increase in the earth, and the book of Acts, in comparison to the last days, ought to look like a Presbyterian picnic. Right? So it's time for us to get in the flow of this thing. So biblical manifestations are those that line up with Scripture. Also, Mark 16, verse 17 through 18, these signs will follow them that believe in my name, they'll cast out demons. That's a common biblical sign. Stephen cast out demons, did many mighty miracles. Was Stephen an apostle? No. He was a deacon that was faithful with his deaconhood. He got promoted to one of the mighty seven. And then what happened? He got released as an evangelist. And then what happened? He got so anointed that they martyred him. Amen? Are you anointed enough to deserve martyrdom? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Scripture says... You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you in Acts 1.8. And it says, and you will be my witnesses. The word witnesses is the Greek word martus, and it means you'd be willing to die or be martyred for my name. That's the real deal. And if you don't believe me, ask 166,000 people that were martyred for Christ this last year when you see them. That's right. Amen? Yes. They're willing to die for the name of Christ. Biblical manifestations are those that line up with Scripture... Not just those that line up with your interpretation of Scripture. Anti-biblical manifestations are those that are against Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. When thou art come into the land which the Lord God has given thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations, over those non-believers, those pagans, those that don't know Jehovah God but worship false gods. There shall not be found among you, this is a prohibition, Anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, that's, that's uh, a form of abortion after the child's already out of the womb. You know, we, in America, we kind of justify this in the church and this and that, and there's forgiveness for all those things. But we need to present these things as they are in Scripture. We, we have a tendency to think, who would take their child and then sacrifice it unto Moloch and drop it into the fire as the people cheer as they sacrifice a live child unto God? Or... Not the God of the Bible, of course. 
So we, we just do it a different way. We do it before the children are born. And so we just, you know, call it a wise decision in America or pro-choice. But God calls it something different. It's another form. So, again, forgiveness on those things, and that's not the issue, but I'm just giving illustrations. Or one that uses divination, which is a form of revelation gift, but apart from the Holy Spirit. Some of them call it vertical reality. Well, I've got my spirit guides that tell me. I call the 1-900 psychic one. Or I do tarot card reading. Or I look into the crystal ball. Or I look into the liver. You know, there's just so many different variations. Magic amulets and crystals. And I wear this around my neck because it's a good luck charm. You know, we can actually turn a cross into that. When we think that there's more power in the symbol than there is the person that the symbol is symbolic of, we've got our focus wrong. Okay, so... Uses divination or an observer of times. Hmm. A little astrology. Or an enchanter or a witch. Or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits. Or a wizard or a necromancer. These are prohibitions in scriptures. We don't do these things because why? They are anti-biblical manifestations. They are of the enemy. So we've got biblical manifestations that line up with scripture. We've got anti-biblical manifestations that are against scripture. I'm laying the foundation here because we've got to figure and understand there's three different categories here. And once we know that there's three different categories, when we see something happening in our midst, we are then able to categorize them most effectively and test the spirits to see if this is of the Lord. Amen. Amen? So once we can test the spirits, it's kind of like, have you ever smelled meat yeah. as it's cooking and it didn't smell right, but it looked right? What did you do? You threw it away because it didn't, it didn't pass the smell test. Have you ever looked at meat that didn't look right, but you cooked it and it smelled right and it was okay? See, it's not what the meat looks like. It's not the manifestation. It's the smell that determines whether it's good or bad. You ask a chef, he'll tell you, oh, the meat's okay. It browned this and that. They discolored. It's no big deal. This one, oh, it's been in the freezer for a while. It also, most of not right about that. Well, it looks fine. Don't eat that. We need to have a spiritual sniffer that can distinguish, that can discern, that can properly test the spirits to see if this thing is so. Now, sometimes, and we're going to get to these in a minute, but sometimes you've got a mixture. Okay? Because people are human. And so at that point in time, you can eat the chicken, spit up the bones, but don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Sometimes somebody brings you a prophetic word that's an accurate word, but they bring it in the wrong spirit. Receive the word, reject the spirit, eat the chicken, spit up the bones, right? Be mature about it. Don't say, well, they came to me in the wrong spirit. Well, what did they say? Well, it doesn't matter. They came to me in the wrong spirit. No, what did they say? Well, they said this. Well, that's accurate. Reject the spirit, receive the word, move on. You need to repent too. They said, what are they? Okay, let's move on. Great. And I need to repent for having an attitude about the way I think about it. Okay, so great. Okay, so we've got extra anti-biblical manifestations, Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 11, and also Ezekiel 21, verses 21 and 22. For the king of Babylon, symbolic of a false god, worshiping a false god, Babylonian time, stood at the parting of the way. Remember, Babylon will fall in the last days in the book of Revelation, chapter 18. Babylon is not a good thing. It's a system. It's a way of doing things. It's a mindset. It's worldliness. It's throughout the church right now. You go to some churches, they've got to have certain outfits on, certain perfumes, and they, they compare pocketbooks, and, and men compare their, their Brioni suits or Missoni ties or, or whatever it is, 
And there's nothing wrong with wearing nice things. I think we need to be presentable. But when they become the focus, we have submitted ourselves to a system of thinking that's worldly. And as good as you might look, it's a wrong motive behind it. It's not the manifestation, it's the spirit behind it. Biblical, anti-biblical, and extra-biblical. So, the king of Babylon stood on the parting of the way, the head of the two ways, to use what? Divination. He made his arrows bright. He consulted with images. He looked into the liver. At his right hand was the divination for Jerusalem to appoint captains to open the mouth of his slaughter, to lift up the voice with shouting, to appoint battering rams against the gates, to cast a mount and to build a fort. The point is this. In war... People from nations that don't serve the Lord will call upon their false gods for power. And guess what? It works. I was in the car with a man today. He's a Christian, and eventually I'll have a conversation with him. In the car, he was sharing with me about his judo background. He's a third degree. He grew up in Japan. He's American. And he had you know different instruments for war. And I was familiar with him because I've been in the martial arts. And he said to me that, you know... And he didn't say it arrogantly. We were just dialoguing on a martial arts level. And he said, yeah, he says, with this. I said, well, that's a nice, you know, convincing tool. I said, that one can be used, you know, well. And he says, yeah, he said, I'm not really concerned if four or five show up as long as I've got this in my hand with my other stuff. And I says, if I don't have that, then he pulled up the other one. I'm like, yeah, that would work. I mean, he let me out of the car. And, and so <laughs> the point is, he said, when I run into this situation, he says, I scream in Japanese. And he told me what he said. I speak a little Japanese. Anyway, the point was what he would say in Japanese would be a prophetic proclamation of their death. And it empowers him with the spirit of war when he does that. Now, as a Christian, you shouldn't be doing that under you know that type of stuff. But the point is, it does bring power. But the thing that comes into you when that happens, you need to cast it out afterward. Well, why don't you just trust the Spirit of the Lord to come upon you and to win those people to Christ? And if they need some laying on of hands in the process, go ahead and do that as, as necessary. But sometimes we dip off into these other things that are non-biblical and we attach ourselves to false gods as believers. And we need to get free of that. Okay, so we've got biblical manifestations, those that line up with Scripture, anti-biblical manifestations, those that are against Scripture, and we've got a third category. Turn with me to John chapter 21, verse 24. These are extra-biblical manifestations, and we're going to talk about a number of things tonight. This is going to be one of them. Extra-biblical manifestations. John chapter 21. John the Apostle, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, wrote the book of John. And it's the evangelistic gospel. It's different than Matthew, Mark, or Luke, the synoptic gospels, in that it shows the deity of Christ so clearly. And it, it also evangelizes people in a very unique way. It also centers on the Holy Spirit, uh, the deity of Christ, his, 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 his kingship. And after John is done, the final words of chapter 21 as he's closing out... His entire book, he says this. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. He's talking about himself. And there is also many other things that Jesus did. They're extra-biblical, because they're not in the Bible. Which, if they were written one by one, I suppose 
Even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. <clears throat> what are some of the things that Jesus did that are not recorded in Scripture? I don't know. When we see things, Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 1.9, there is nothing new under the sun. What has been before shall be again. So sometimes when God does a new thing, it's a restoration of an old thing. And just because you or I haven't seen it doesn't mean that God hasn't seen it or there's not history for it in church history. Every revival that has happened throughout the years of the last two millennia, the last 2,000 years, if you study revivals, you see manifestations that are unusual. I believe that we are about to have some unusual manifestations begin to happen in this room, in this group, amongst this fellowship. And I believe God is trying to equip us. And for those that are listening to this on CD... After they've seen some stuff, and I've handed you this CD to say, this was announced ahead of time, hopefully you're relaxed now that you're listening to it and getting some scriptural basis for it. Amen. For those who are present in the room right now or watching on video, some things are about to happen. I got a call today, haven't had a chance to talk with him, from Prophet Rob. Now you know, unusual manifestations follow his ministry. I believe... God's getting ready to bring some people through, and he wants to do unusual manifestations that are biblical and extra-biblical, and we need to guard against those that are anti-biblical. Okay? So we want to have balance. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Whether you're in the right side of the ditch, conservative, or whether you're on the left side of the ditch, in liberalism, you're in the ditch. We need to stay on the road, on the highway, to holiness. Amen? Okay. Extra-biblical manifestations. Hmm. Before we go there, let's just go to some biblical manifestations because this will probably twist your head around enough before we go to the extra-biblical ones. Okay? Um, before we go there, 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God, Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is anything that's anti the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because Christ means anointed one. It's not just, oh, well, he's against Christ. No, it's against the anointing of the Holy Spirit that would do biblical manifestations, set people free, deliver, heal, release visions, prophecy. You get into some churches, they love Jesus, but they don't like the Christ. Let me repeat that. They love Jesus, but they don't like the Christ portion of him, which is the anointed one who heals, who delivers, who sets free. When the revival comes into a church... It will often split the church. And the people that really aren't interested in change, aren't interested in the delivering power of God, they'll leave because they've been offended. Because what will happen is, through a prophetic word, the Holy Spirit will begin to convict them or get into their dish, so to speak, and start to scrape to the bottom of it and say, what is this? 
And they were like, that's mine. Leave it alone. Who are you in my business? And so the, the enemy will then use them to turn against those who are operating under the anointing so they can keep their theology, their sin. They can keep their place of comfort where they don't have to change. But we've always done it this way before. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he showed up with biblical manifestations. Would you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. But the Pharisees called him what? Beelzebub. Prince of the devil. And then they said, we've got to figure out a way to crucify him. Every move of God has three types of people in it. The anointed, the ex-anointed, and the unanointed. And then you've got another group, a fourth, that are counterfeit anointed. Give me an illustration. King David was a shepherd boy. He's being raised up by the Lord. He's on the backside of the mountain. God delivers him out of the paw of the bear, out of the paw of the lion. And when he finds out there's a Philistine giant, he's like, let me, let me out, let me out. Let me out. I, got, I can take this guy. I know God in this way. I've been raised up on the backside of the mountain, and I know it's for such a time as this. David is the Lord's anointed. Eliab, his brother, when he shows up, David says, I got victuals for you, I got cheese, I got bread. What's going on with the war? Oh, you prideful thing, go back. You know, you don't have for this. No, 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 let me out of let him out. Eliab tries to discourage him. The unanointed that Saul, or that Samuel had passed over, he'd never been anointed, was trying to block the anointed from going to do the will of God. King Saul had lost the anointed. He was the ex-anointed. And when he saw David with the anointing on him, he said, let me merchandise that gift. I recognize that I've had it before. Let me put that guy up there and let's get this over with. David goes, slays Goliath, and then the people are like, wow, somebody who's anointed. Saul, the ex-anointed, has slain his thousands. But David, the new anointed, has slain his tens of thousands. The ex-anointed then turns on the anointed. Happens in every congregation. As you're getting raised up by the Lord as a fresh anointing, the ex-anointed who've lost the anointing because of a lack of proper prayer time or relationship or they've fallen into sin or they've gotten into pride or they love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God or a number of other reasons, gold, glory, girls, position, power, prominence, whatever it is, they've lost that relationship. Instead of getting back under the spout where the glory flows out, they begin to say, okay, I'm going to lose popularity or position. Let me go ahead and attack this guy with javelins. You following me here? Yeah. So if you've been attacked with javelins by the Lord's ex-anointed, count it all joy, it's the right of passage. If you've had people that have never been anointed, but they've been in church for 30 or 40 years, and they're trying to keep you from operating in the anointing, be of good cheer. It's a good sign that you're on the right track. Right. Okay? It is the rite of passage. And after a great work of the Lord has been done through your hands, you might have a counterfeit anointing or a false anointing like a Jezebel come after you to try to kill you. Count it all joy. Are, you, are we following here? Okay. So we test the spirits to see if they're God, of God. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one in you is greater than the one who's in the world. 
Greater is he in you than he that's within the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak they from the viewpoint, the vantage point of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's the message that they preach and the fruit that they bring. Good root, good fruit. Bad root, bad fruit. How do you recognize a tree? By its fruit. How do you recognize a false teacher or a false prophet? By his fruit. By his fruit. How do you recognize a real teacher or a real prophet? By the fruit. By their fruit you shall know them. Love, joy, peace, right? Also, and the love, joy, and peace, gentleness, meekness, this is internal fruit that we carry. External fruit is the signs, the wonders, the power, the demonstration of changed lives through our ministries, right? So, here we've got test of spirits. Now, let's go ahead and make it more confusing. Holy Spirit, bring some clarity. Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, let me just say this. If your Christianity is not supernatural, is it just superficial? If your Christianity is not supernatural, is it just superficial? And, and supernatural is in a number of ways. It's not always about tongues or dreams or visions. We're not measuring by those. We're measuring by fruit. Okay? So, if tonight the Holy Spirit is prompting you to dig, dig deeper with Him, please, do it. Draw in deeper with Him. Deuteronomy 13, 1-3. If there is a prophet among you that arises, or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. Unusual signs. And the sign of the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods. Uh-oh. Which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, I have people come to me and say, well, I had a, a, a psychic tell me this. Okay, big deal, so they're accurate. So what? What are they? They see, they're, they're worshiping a false god. They're operating in the second heaven with demon spirits, posing as angels of light, masquerading as angels of light, but they can't get into the third heaven where God knows all. And what did they tell you to do? Did they say, well, this is what will happen, it comes to pass, and by the way, Jesus is not Lord. Let me tell you how to do it a different way. You're just not listening to that. That's a false prophet leading you to a... Here's the thing. If you go to see a McDonald's sign that says, McDonald's three miles ahead, Big Mac's on sale. Right? You don't stop at the sign and eat there, do you? No. So signs always point to a source. Don't get stuck at the sign. And when we talk about extra-biblical manifestations tonight, here's the, here's, the, here's the difficulty with extra-biblical manifestations. They're not anti-biblical. So people are like, okay, well, mm, but they're not biblical. Mm, they're extra-biblical. Here's the thing. If you have an extra-biblical sign, you can't really explain it, but it points you to Jesus. Amen. It's from the Lord. Come on, bro. If you have an extra-biblical sign that points you to some other God, 
It's not from the Lord. Good root, good fruit, bad root, bad fruit. A tree is known by its fruit, and the message should line up with the word. word. Why? Because we are of God, little children. They are of the world, therefore the world listens to them. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, what happens when you've got signs such as a serpent, therefore the world listens to them? This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, what happens when you've got signs such as a serpent from your staff appears and the false prophets can produce the same signs like in the days of Moses. We've got the same sign but a different spirit behind it. Makes it a little more confusing, doesn't it? A little more complicated. This is why we want to categorize these. We want to put them into different compartments and be able to identify them. As we unpack the rest of this message, we're going to get to a point to where we're going to say, my gosh, there's a whole lot more that God's already done that if it happened in the church today, we would clearly reject it, even though it's clearly biblical. I'll give you an example. We talked about tongues of fire. Peter's shadow healing the sick. What would happen if a minister today was walking by and his shadow was healing the sick and casting out demons? Well, guess what? That happens. Paul Yonggi Cho in Seoul, Korea has a small 800,000 member congregation, 120,000 cell group leaders. He has 12 apostles in his ministry. And when they go into the drug districts, because there's 1,000 people on Prayer Mountain praying 24 hours a day, there is power that's released when they go in. And those that want to be set free at that time will line up in the streets knowing they can be delivered of demons and drugs and alcohol addiction because they just get in the shadow of these ministers that have the adumbration of God's glory billowing off of them. Not because they're great, but because God is great and people as the body of Christ are coming together in unity to release heaven's will into the earth that it might be done in earth and vessels as it is in heaven. And great signs and wonders are being wrought forth through those apostles' hands, even at that hour. In Africa, Israel Agre, when he ministers, and 35 and 40,000 people get saved in eight days, witch doctors come to Christ because of that power. And here's what happens. They have power encounters. Because they have real witchcraft power over there. They know what they're doing. I got walked by some witch doctor that must not have gotten saved. By helping fund that crusade, 500 witch doctors got saved, but one of them evidently didn't. It took me about six weeks to recover, and I wasn't properly covered because I was ignorant. And the sad part is I just taught on witchcraft. <laughs> and anything you teach on, you'll be tested on. And I failed the test. Praise God for grace to retake the test. Amen. Amen? Amen. Okay. Peter's shadow heals the sick. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. Acts chapter 5, verses 15 through 16 was Peter's shadow. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles. Say special miracles. Special miracles. See, there's miracles and there's special miracles. There's grace and there's mega grace. There's favor and there's mega favor. See, I've been in times where I was under the favor of God. And I've entered times or seasons when I was under 
great favor. Let me tell you what happens when you're in favor. Favor catches people's attention, and it releases jealousy. Great favor releases great jealousy. So favor results in jealousy or persecution. Great favor results in great jealousy and great persecution. You want the favor of God? Then expect to also right. see the counter move of the enemy. Are you... Strap in tonight. We're going somewhere. Okay. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, and God brought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Do you know that you can take prayer cloths and pray over them if you're under the anointing and you have that unction to do so, and you can send them to people? You can put them in the pillowcases. And now I've got people laughing in the congregation because they've done it. I used to take olive oil and I would put it into nachos that I would make. Yeah. And when people would come by my prison cell, they'd say, hey, hey, can I get some of those nachos? I'm like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and they would eat the nachos and the anointing would come on and they'd be healed of ulcers. They'd have a hunger and a desire to read the word. So you can sneak it in cookies. Okay, you can see the anointed oil and cookies. Here's the deal. If you put the olive oil and you don't pray, you're not anointed. All you have is olive oil and cookies. But if you get the anointing from the Holy Spirit on there and he sees that you're doing something as a sign for him to come on, and he's sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, anointing over them, anointing them in oil with oil and in the name of the Lord, the prayer offering. You when you do Jesus sent his disciples out, Mark 6, 13, they anointed many with oil and healed many. These are symbols or signs of the Holy Spirit. You can't make it a formula. Or it just right. becomes dead religion. That's right. Okay? The wrong spirit behind it, the same sign points the wrong direction. Okay? So it's not about the manifestations. It's about the spirit behind the manifestations. And are they biblical or non-biblical? The non-biblical ones are easy to spot. If somebody walks up to you and says, let me read your palm, you say... Well, appreciate the offer. Um, let me go ahead and read yours. Looks like you need Jesus. Yep, yep. You know Jesus is Lord and Savior. Well, you know, see, I knew it. I could see it. I can read palms too. As a matter of fact, let me show you what his palm looks like. It's a nail scarred hand. He died for you 2,000 years ago. You know, whatever they do, you don't be afraid of them. Light is greater than darkness. You don't take out buckets and grab the darkness and throw it out the window. You just simply turn on the light. And the darkness flees. Greater is he in you than he is within the world. Those that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Daniel 11.32, King James Version. We know our God. We're strong. We do exploits. But it's important that we discern and test the spirits. Amen? Okay. Jesus spit and made clay to open a man's eyes. Do you think the AMA would approve of that? Well, we've got the spitting preacher. The clay-spitting preacher. Can you imagine how the media would have a heyday with that? Yet it's in Scripture. How the media has a heyday when people bring handkerchiefs and aprons and pray over them. I remember one time we prayed over 200, and we didn't even have handkerchiefs. I'm just going to tell the truth. I took brand new t-shirts with your tax dollars that paid for them, and I cut them up with my little scissors that I had with the little rounded edges. You couldn't hurt anybody with them with the plastic and... And I cut them up, and we prayed over them, anointed them with oil with about 40 of us during a worship service. And the anointing was so strong, a guy began to manifest with demons. And while we were doing it, to try to distract, the enemy didn't want this, we put them in envelopes. 
the chaplain actually wrote a half-page thing about Acts 19.11, and we sent them out to 200 people through these, these 40 prisoners. When people got them in the mail, as they grabbed the envelope, as they opened it up, not even knowing what was in the envelope, they didn't read the document, they didn't even get to the point where they pulled it out, the power of God would hit them. Some were healed of cancer, some had depression instantly. We got so many testimonies back. You can do that when there's a corporate anointing and there's a leading of the Holy Spirit to do it. Otherwise, you just send cloths in the mail. Okay? So what happened was the fruit was clearly God. And the opposition happened right when we were getting ready to anoint. I had a guy who was born again, who loved the Lord, but had some areas in his soul that weren't completely redeemed yet. I don't know if you know anyone like that. <laughs> look in the mirror. That's what I do when I look for somebody like that. Okay? We're works in progress, right? Well, here's what happened. This guy not only manifested in the presence of the Holy Spirit with 40 people who'd been praying and fasting, he began to call me gross, vile names and threaten my life. That's when I knew we were on to the work of the Lord. I'm like, okay, this is good. I wasn't even offended. I just smiled. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. They, they literally had to grab him and hold him back. I'm like, let's just get this anointing done. We'll deal with him in a second. Because you know? that was the important. Sometimes we, we deal with demons that really are just a distraction that are going to keep us from 200 getting saved or healed or delivered. Right? We've got to discern what's going on and not be distracted. Amen? Okay. So, Jesus spit to make clay. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. When Jesus had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation is sent. When he went his way thereof and washed, he came, seeing John 9, 6, and 7, touching the hem of Jesus' garment. I've had people, this is a true story. The Lord spoke to a guy. He said, David, you mind if I borrow your bathroom? I said, okay, I mean, you know, uh, you know, is yours like torn or whatever? And, and in prison, sometimes they'll sell bathrobes at the commissary. And then they won't sell them for a long time. So some people have robes, some people don't, you know. And I had one. He goes, well, you can borrow mine while I borrow yours. I'm thinking, this is weird, you know. Strange stuff. You need something cast out, pal, you know. Anyway, he said, well, I had a dream I'm supposed to wear your robe and sleep in it. And I said, huh, test the spirits on this. But he was a committed believer. He was young in the Lord. Here's what happened. I didn't know I was about to be indicted from the past and sent to another prison for 15 months. The mantle that was on me was about to pass over to him. And he was about to be raised up to evangelize that compound in my absence. And as he slept in that robe, because I slept in that robe sometimes, that anointing was on me as I would spend hours in prayer and in the Word. And that anointing was on that robe, and it came on him. Now, could he have gotten it different ways? Sure, God could have given But see, it's about obedience unto what the Lord is saying, not a formula. Right. You know, when I give my clothes away, I know they're going to get an anointing on their life by wearing my clothes. I love to give clothing away. People come to my house, they're like, where did you get all these clothes? I'm like, people give them to me. You know, I get all kinds of gifts of clothes and shoes. I got four brand new pairs of shoes in the mail the other day. You know, and I mean, they're nice shoes. I've already given away one pair. You know, we're working on the rest. And, and matter of fact, the musician who came in and sang last week, he's wearing a pair of those shoes. 
We need to be channels of God's blessing. You know, not jealous about what other people have had, but say, God, I want to celebrate what you're doing in their life. See, because God never puts a testimony in front of you to hear it unless he's wanting to build faith in your life to do something similar in yours. So never be jealous of somebody. Celebrate with them. And by association, get close to them that whatever's upon them might rub off on you. That's right. Because the anointing comes by association. Be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good manners, right? So we recognize bad stuff can rub off by being around wrong people. Can't good stuff rub off by being around godly people? Amen? Good root, good fruit. Bad root, bad fruit. Okay. Jesus spit and made clay to loose a man's tongue. <laughs> so he spit on his hand, made clay, and slapped it on somebody's tongue. What would you do if there was a preacher that had the clay-spitting, tongue-loosing anointing? Ask for the anointing. I'd ask for the anointing. You know, I had a vision one time, true story. I'm, uh, I won't name the minister, but... I was in this minister's service in the dream, and I was sitting way up in the back in the far corner, and he was going around the room, and he was declaring, you know, deliverance over people's lives that were demonized. And all of a sudden, he's coming up the aisle, and it's maybe about a 1,500-member church, you know, lots of seats. I'm hidden all the way in the back of the room. He comes up, and he goes, you, come here. And I'm like, yeah, this is in the vision. And I'm like, I don't have any demons, you know? I'm like, but you know what? If... If I'm unaware of them, I want to be free. So I came out to the aisle, and I figured he's going to, and he goes, follow me. And he walked right down to the, and I'm up on the platform with him, right? And this is in the vision. And he said, what do you want from the Lord? And I looked, and I said, I want a double portion of what you have. This was in the vision. And he looked at me, and he smiled. And he said, You've asked a hard thing. And I said, I know, but I'm willing to pay the price. And he smiled again. This is what he did. He put his hand on my shoulder. He says, the Lord gives you my level of faith. The Lord gives you my level of anointing for deliverance. And then he did this in the vision. He went, put his finger in his mouth, ran it around his tongue, Ran it around his tongue the other way, pulled it out and put it in my mouth, ran it around, ran it around and pulled it out. And he says, and it shall manifest that you shall prophesy like me. And I woke up and there was an anointing all around my mouth. And I began to prophesy from that point forward. So I got an impartation and a vision because I was in a prison setting. There wasn't other people to lay hands on me or to give me robes. So most of the impartations that I got was visitation of angels, visitation of Jesus, or I was caught up into the heavens where the Lord would do things for me. Okay? So it doesn't matter where you're at. You can get it because it's personal relationship with God. And I always knew when I got a new level of the anointing because there was a new level of persecution. And guess what they persecute me for? For me not being able, being able to explain this stuff. That's why I know it. That's why I've studied it. Inside and out. Now, do I know it all? No. If I ever say I do, I'm in trouble. Pray for me. Okay. We're all growing. Okay, so they touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Who do you think you are? And you've got to reach out and touch that minister's hand. 
He ain't nobody. He ain't just like if he's anointed. He's somebody that you need right now because he's a connecting factor. You don't have a problem going to the bank to, to grovel in front of a banker to get a loan, do you? People would go and kneel at the feet of Jesus to get something. They would come to the disciples, cast the demon out of my book. What's wrong with going to a doctor if you need healing? What's wrong with going to a minister if you need deliverance or healing? We need to properly That's recognize right. those that are in the body. To honor and esteem one another in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We give people of the world because they have an academic degree or a legal position or they know a judge. We do more for them in honor than we do for our men and women of God. I love to honor intercessory prayer warriors. You know why? They have so much power. They have gifts that I don't have and that you may not have. But they're the ones that make things possible in the realm of the spirit Come for on. us to go do right. things in the natural. And when I run into an intercessor and they're what do you, I say, like, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just an intercessor. I'm like, oh, really, an intercessor? Praise <laughs> the Lord. See, I you may not recognize your kidney in the body. Nobody walks up to you, hey, wow, that's a beautiful kidney. Wow, ooh, nice liver. By the way, how's your gallbladder today? We don't recognize those things until one of them goes bad. We need to properly recognize the parts of the body that we don't see that are less comely and bestow more honor upon them. Because there's kidneys within the body of Christ that without them, there's livers within the body of Christ that without them we become jaundiced and yellow. We need to recognize each other, not just the, the people that stand in the pulpit or or <clears throat> praise God for equality in Christ, neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. In Christ, in the anointed one, we're all equal, yet we have different positions and different functions and different gifts and different ministries, different callings, different anointings, different spheres of authority. And we need to properly recognize them. For this cause, many are weak and sick among you, and many have fallen asleep. You're dead because you did not properly recognize the Lord's body. You are the Lord's body. He's the head, and we are the rest of the body parts. Right, right now, I'm the mouth. But guess what? I have no problem sitting there being a receiver, a note-taker also. Each one of us has a different place in the body. And we need to ask God, who is that in the Lord? How can I connect with them and complement them in their calling? Instead of comparing and competing, how can I contrast and complete them that your kingdom might go forth? I love this illustration. Rick Joyner said that when he goes to a, a service, sometimes he'll ask, you know, a thousand people in the congregation, how many of you know what your, your calling is? And about 10% will raise their hand. And he'll say, wow, okay, 10% know their calling. How many of you are operating in your calling? And about 20%, 10 to 20% will raise their hand. So out of 1,000 people, 100 raise their hand. And out of the 100, 20 raise their hand, which represents 2% of the body that knows what they are, who they are, what they're called to do, and they're actually operating in it. If you had a body that was operating at 2%, would you send it out or would you put it on life support? We wonder why we don't have the power to saw, cause the world to look at Jesus. Because we're living on life support in the body of Christ. And God's saying it's time to change. I'm about to bring an empowerment to the church. And I'm about to bring it in unusual ways. Because in the last days, I'm going to do some unusual stuff. And I always save the best wine for the last. Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 8, verses 38 through 40. Because this 
is what I believe God is getting ready to begin to do in the body of Christ. I have friends that have already had it happen on several different uh, testimonial reports. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, what happens when they begin to shut down the planes and you won't be able to travel anymore? I said, God's got a secondary plan. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. Philip was transported in the spirit and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He'd be baptized. Philip, however, reappeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Acts 8, 38 through 40. Yes, you can be transported in the spirit. And by the way, that is New Testament. Amen. 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 Signs in the heavens. Uh, Dan Bowler was driving his automobile. And there was a guy coming at him in a convertible, drunk, and there was no place to go because the guy was passing and coming right at Dan. And Jan, Dan was going to a church that was like 31 miles away at that point in time. There was either going off the bridge into the water or running head on to this guy. And he just said, oh, Jesus. All of a sudden, he opened his eyes. He was 30 mile, 31 yeah. miles away in front of the church 30 minutes early. Yes, amen. Just transported in the spirit. I have friends that have been transported in the spirit, went and preached. And when they came back, the mud was on their shoes from the beach where they were at. And when they took samples of the mud, there was only one place on earth that had that soil sample. And it was the, where they were at. And when they went over to check it out, those people had been saved through his preaching. Thank you, Jesus. And they recognized him. Unusual manifestations. God's not limited. Is this encouraging you or is it stretching you? Amen. Become Gumby tonight and allow the Lord to stretch you. Okay? Jeremiah is struck dumb. But that, the Lord wouldn't do that. That's not something he would do. He's a gentle God. The Spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet and spake with me and said unto me, Go shut thyself within thy house. But thou, O son of man, behold... They shall put bands upon thee, and they shall bind thee with them, and thou shalt not go out among them. And I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt, shalt be dumb, and shall not be to them a reprover, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with thee, I will open your mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. Here's the point. Would God tell you not to preach to somebody? Would he strike you dumb to where you couldn't talk? The scripture? It's an unusual manifestation. Right? I had the Lord, there was a Satanist, his name was David Lord, he had my first name, and he used to say to me, um, man, hey, Christian boy, my name's David Lord, I am the Lord, you're praying to the wrong God, you need to pray to me, I'm the Lord. And then he would speak in false tongues, there'd be like a slime, come on, come on, we'll show I'd have to get it away from me. And so, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this guy? And the Lord said, don't speak to him about me. Don't answer any questions he has about my word. But pray for him. So for three months, hey, hey, Christian boy, Christian boy, what do you, what do you need? I got a Bible question. Sorry, I can't answer it. Well, you're supposed to be able to answer it. You're the Christian. Sorry, I'm prohibited from answering any of your questions about the Bible or preaching to you. You can't do that. 
See, he, he, he wanted to fight where one won't, two can't. Here's what happened. He had AIDS, he had leukemia, and a third form, some sort of a blood disease, and he had cancer patches that were appearing on his body, cancer. And he shrunk down to nothing. And through a series of events, I was praying one night with a friend of mine in our prayer closet, which happened to be the mop closet, with the stinky mops. And as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit comes up, speak to David Lord audibly that he might know you in a personal way. It came out of my mouth, and the person I was praying with knew what a foul creature this guy was. And he looked at me like, what? Now remember, this is the same guy that when I walked by the TV room one time, I said, Lord, if you can save him, I'll never... I said, Lord, if you save him, I'll never doubt you for another person's salvation again. Oh. And God said to me, I saved you, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Amen or ouch. <laughs> so there was a process here. So I went to sleep that night after prayer time. This was about 10.45 at night, 11 p.m., I remember it was. And I went to sleep. I had a dream. The Lord showed me to give him a book about prayer secrets, Christian prayer secrets, a little cup of soup, a Snickers bar, a soda pop, and a bag of chips. And I went and put it on his bed, those items, the word plus food. What I didn't know is he hadn't been to the chow hall in 10 days. The cancer is stinking. He's defecating and urinating on himself. His roommates are disgusted with him. His family has cut him off financially. And he's dying. He finally has enough strength and energy. He gets up, eats the candy bar, gives him strength. He goes and he puts hot water in the soup. I don't know. I'm at work. I come back and I look and he's out of his bed. The book is on top of his bed cover and it's open halfway through. I see the soup is in the trash can and I see the, the, the candy bar wrappers in there. I go by the same TV room. God is so faithful. And as I'm walking by, there's glass windows, kind of safety glass with that you know, metal mesh in it. And as I'm walking by, he's sitting watching TV. As I'm walking by, he goes like this. He turns around and sees me from, you know, God quickened. And he goes, you, come here. And I walk in, I said, yeah. Now remember, this has not been a good relationship. <laughs> and he says, you. You put that uh, that book on my bed, didn't you? <laughs> Thinking, um, yeah. And you also put the soup and the candy bar and the chips and this soda. I said, yeah. Why'd you do that? I said, the Lord told me to in a dream this morning before I woke up. He said, I thought he told you not to speak to me about the Bible, not to answer any questions. I said, he did, and he told me to do this also, new instruction. <laughs> and he said to me, I had an unusual experience at 1045 last night. He says, I was listening, and I forget the name of the group. And he said, I play electric guitar. He said, and I was listening to that group, and I know the lyrics. 
He says, all of a sudden, the lyrics went off. The music went off. And somebody said to me, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And all of a sudden, he said, the music came back on and we were back in. And I pulled my headphones off. And I said, who said that? Who said that? He said, everybody in my four-man room was asleep. He says, I woke them up. They said, you're just hearing voices. Go back to bed. And I sat there and I pondered that this morning. He says, I woke up and there was a soup and a candy bar. He said, I haven't eaten in 10 days. He said, I've got cancer. Anyway, I said, I'll meet with you later. And I met with the guy that I prayed with. God would speak to him audibly by the unction of the Spirit. You can't just say, oh, God, speak to somebody. It's got to be by the Spirit. Everything has to be God-breathed, God-inspired. It's got to be led by the Spirit. Amen. And if you don't know how to be led by the Spirit, just do the basics of the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. If you do Matthew chapter 5, revival will happen in your life. You know, don't pray that God sends revival. Draw a circle around yourself. Say, send revival inside the circle. Come on. Right? <laughs> Let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. Amen? Okay, so I met with him. This was 92. We didn't know that much about AIDS like we do now. But I knew he had AIDS at this point. He had fecal matter on his hand. And uh, that stuff doesn't smell too good if you don't know what that is. Okay? You've all smelled it before. Okay? Anyway, so I held his hand. And he was emaciated and thin. And I prayed and I cursed cancer and I cursed AIDS and I cursed... That's why I can believe for anybody's salvation. Because he saved me. Don't forget where you came from. The person that you think is foul is the person God saved. That's the one God wants to save. Where it's darkest, he loves to bring the light. Come on. And so he went back to his cell. Do you know that he came into church that Sunday and he testified that he'd been born again? Strength came back into his body and within seven days they shipped him to a medical facility. I ended up having to go back to court. I think they're trying to indict me again then too. Um, and I caught more cases than fly catchers catch balls some years. But... Um, this is what happened. While I'm away at court, I have a dream, and I see David Lord walking in this hallway in a hospital unit. And it didn't even look like a prison. And he was putting his hand on his stomach, and he was going, Gundaraba, Gundaraba, Gundaraba. Now remember, he only knew one type of Christianity, where you cast out demons, God speaks audibly, right? Okay? Where Christians won't preach to you because they're told by the Lord not to. Right? And so he knows speaking in tongues and this and that, and he knows the power gospel, and his cancer sores started to die up, and strength comes back into his body. So here he is as a baby Christian, and he's, well, not about And I, I wake up, and the Lord tells me to agree with him in prayer. He needs agreement, so I agree with him in prayer. It's 19... 95. I get transferred to the facility that he had been to, the hospital facility. I'm up on, in Springfield, Missouri, on 313rd Building 3, first floor, and as I'm walking down the hall, it's the same thing I saw in the dream. 
I meet a Christian guard. I tell him the story. He says, I remember him. This was the AIDS ward. He said he ended up getting released. He did not die in prison. He did not go to hell. And he put on 20 pounds in the dream. Unusual manifestations. Jeremiah is struck dumb. Don't you think that if God did that for you, it might save your marriage? Okay, Ezekiel taken by a lock of his hair, right? Uh, Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 3, And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me into the vision of God to Jerusalem. Is that unusual? Now, some of you may have had that experience, but it wasn't God. Right? Okay. Ezekiel's wife struck dead as a sign to Israel. By the way, this is not a prophetic word. Okay? But, son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke, yet neither shall thou mourn or weep, neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire of thy head upon thee, and put thy shoes upon thy feet, and cover not thy lips, and eat not the bread of men. So I spake unto the people in the morning and evening, my wife died, and I did in the morning as I was commanded. It was for a prophetic sign. So these are tough callings. Ezekiel traveled in the spirit. In the 25th year in Ezekiel 40, he was taken in the spirit. Angels striking men with blindness, Genesis 19. And they smote the men who were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. And they wearied themselves to find the door. Paul releasing blindness on a sorcerer. Oh, can Christians do that? That's that twitch. No. The Lord gives you an unction to release something. And it's the Lord that does it. God will restore it. Saul of Tarsus struck blind on the road to Damascus. And who did that to him? Jesus. You see how much there is about blindness in Scripture? It's a spiritual symbol of how we're spiritually blind. So God gives us a taste of blindness in the natural for a season so that we'll cry up to him. Then he'll restore our physical sight and then he restores our spiritual sight. Angels striking men with blindness. Paul releasing blindness on a sorcerer. Acts 13. I'm just going to read this. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Unusual manifestations. Set his eyes upon him. And he said to Elymas the sorcerer, Well, brother, I think you've done a few things that have maybe made the Lord mad. Oh, all full of all subtlety and mischief. <laughs> Thou child of the devil. Thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? We need some good old-fashioned book of Acts preaching, and we'll get some good old-fashioned book of Acts miracles. We need to get back to the cross. We got seven points in a hymn or something. Whatever happened to, you crucified him, but God has raised him from the dead. We need to get back to the cross. We got a crossless gospel that's being preached. It's not the gospel of the Lord. His gospel is followed with signs and wonders. Okay. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about, went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Acts 13, 9 through 11. You wonder what the fruit of this was? And the deputy turned to the faith, astonished at the doctrine. Not astonished at the sign, but the doctrine. So there was good doctrine that was taught. 
Jesus knocks a non-believer, Saul, from his horse and also blinds him with the light. 2 Kings 6.5, iron axe heads float. Exodus 15.24, bitter waters were made sweet when God tells him to throw a tree in. Sign of the cross. The cross will make your bitter water sweet. Water from a rock, Numbers 20, verses 8. And that rock followed them, that rock was Christ, is what the scripture says in the New Testament. Water from the jawbone of an ass. Samson just slayed a thousand Philistines under the anointing with the jawbone of an ass. He's thirsty. I mean, I talked to people, they only killed two or three people they were thirsty afterwards. Can you imagine doing a thousand? That's a bloody mess. you got to be sweating, right? It takes a while to kill a thousand. He was thirsty, cried up to the Lord. Water came out of the hole in the jawbone that he just killed a thousand people with. Physically, scientifically impossible, and he drank from the water from the jawbone. If that happened today, what would you say? Would you say it's biblical or anti-biblical? Well, you couldn't say it's anti-biblical. Not biblically, you couldn't. But your interpretation of the Bible, you might. Manna from the sky. Now, how many days a week did they get manna? Six. How many years were they in the wilderness? Forty. Forty. Okay, so we got six days a week times 52 weeks a year times 40 years. They had manna 12,480 times by that math. That's an unusual manifestation, but when the season ended, it stopped. And they never saw it again. So we have seasons where manifestations come, and then they just evaporate, and we wonder what happened to them. But if we study church history, what's been before will be again, and there's getting ready to be some amazing things. Parting of the Red Sea. Pillar of fire by night to guide you. A pillar of cloud by day, Exodus 13, 21. Jacob was directed by God to have his animals mate in front of peeled branches so they would come out speckled and spotted. Sounds like witchcraft to me, but it's in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Jacob, yeah, Daniel knocked face down by an angel. Well, brother, I don't believe in that being slain in the spirit, stop. They came, are you Jesus? I am he. They all fell down. Saul knocked off on the road to Damascus. Is it biblical? Well, what's it point to? What's the spirit behind it? What's the fruit? I don't care if you get knocked down. I don't care if you have no emotion. I don't care if you yell and cry and scream. If it results in a changed life, I'm with you. If not, stop it. Amen? Somebody tried to push me down the other day at a minister's conference. I just kind of looked at him. I said, with all due respect, I don't do courtesy drops. Okay? I don't do them, and I don't ask for them. I've laid hands on people, and the power of God threw them across the room into through a chair. And I went like this. I went, in the name of Jesus, boom. I'm like, boom. Didn't know it was loaded, you know? <laughs> laid hands on the next person, nothing happened. You know, it was loaded for them, not loaded for him. And that person went flying through the air, landed on one of these chairs, went over backwards, and he's laying, blah, 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 blah. nobody taught him how to speak in tongues. It's the power of God. I laid hands on another guy one time, 
laid hands on him, and he weighed about 220 pounds, and he was about my height, and I was in a, an all-African-American uh, setting, in a church setting, and we were all kind of gathered around at the end, and we are kind of praying. The Lord just said, just go ahead and lay your hands on his head. So I reached back, and I laid my hand on his head while they were praying. The power, he gets slain in the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And he goes, falling backwards, doing the nasty plunge. Well, I try to grab him to catch him. Well, when I do, he's 220 pounds, dead weight, falling backwards. So he, when I grab his arm, he still goes down, and it looks like I hit him. Right? And he goes up against the fence in the recreation yard, and he slides down. And there's a couple other guys, and it becomes a racial moment. Okay? And it's like, you knocked him out during prayer. You sucker punched this guy during prayer. I'm like, that's not what happened. All of a sudden, he's like, and he started, he'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'd been praying that God would fill him with the Holy Spirit. So God answered his prayer request, and it set him free from thinking God can't use people from his own race. Because he got it through somebody else, that it's no longer Jew, nor Greek, nor black, nor white, but we're one blood in Christ. And we became great friends, and it broke a spirit of racism that was currently in that group. You see how God does things? And He does them through people that you least expect so that your eyes would be back on Him instead of flesh. The guy was so drunk in the Spirit. It's kind of funny. He was so drunk in the Spirit they were closing the yard. And we literally had to carry Him. He's like, he was drunk in the spirit. Is drunk in the spirit biblical? Yes. Be not drunk with wine wherein there's excess, but be ye filled with the spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they looked like stumbling drunks. See, if you're looking, leaning into God, you're going to hear them speak and declare the wonderful works of God in your own native tongue. If you're leaning away from God, you're going to think they're stumbling drunks. Same manifestation. Two different perceptions depending upon the state of the human heart when they're looking. Are you leaning into God when manifestations happen? Recently we had uh, Dr. Sarita Wright. She came in, she ministered, God began to move in an unusual way. There was a dear sister who started to get delivered of some stuff. Some of it was God, some of it was her own soul. Okay? Now, when God's moving through a hose with his water, and there's some things in the hose that aren't 100% pure, what happens? The water gets mixed with the impurities until the impurities get out. We have a tendency to look at the impurities, the person's own soul that's getting healed through that experience, because there's a mixture. And we say, well, that can't be God. God wouldn't do that. Yeah, but we would. Yeah, I saw you at the, at, at, at the Chiefs game last year. You did some stuff too. <laughs> that couldn't have been God. <laughs> but you were praying your team would win so you'd win your bet. Okay. So, let's keep it real. Okay? So here's the thing. We have to not judge a wine before it's time. Let's let the process complete and let's judge long-term fruit, not short-term manifestation. Come on. Okay, you ready? Jericho's wall comes down. Elijah calls fire from heaven to consume people. Twice. 
God wouldn't do that. In the Bible. In the New Testament, they said, should we call fire from heaven? He said, you know not one manner of spirit you're of. We're in a covenant of grace and love. Amen? So, no calling fire from heaven to kill people, but you can release blindness. Okay. Okay, that's, that's a joke. Okay? Fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh, that's how you recognize how to test the Spirit. I don't want any Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft prayers in here. Okay. King's hand withering and drying up instantly, 1 Kings 13.5. He reached out to touch the man of God instantly. His hand withered up and dried up as a sign. And then the altar split in two. When the altar splits in two by the power of God, what happens is, I like that ringtone. <laughs> Moses performed signs and wonders in Egypt. Water to blood. Frogs. Gnats. Lice. Flies, livestock disease, boils, thunder and hail. There was this guy. Mm. What's his name? I can't remember his name. He was a little Cuban guy. And he went on a, I think a 30-day fast. And at the end of the fast, 500 Cubans were released. And he'd been praying for them. I mean, God just broke things free. And, uh, Jesus appeared to him and says, I've given you seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit. One of them was miraculous powers. I used to watch this guy. God is my witness. He would, as a sign, I was casting demons out of a Satanist one time. The chaplain happened to be there for this one, which was kind of fun. It's always neat when the chaplains show up, then the other chaplain shows up who's supposed to be on vacation and tries to get us locked up for unauthorized exorcisms. And the demon in the person said, I've got help now. About that time, the other chaplain shows up and looks in the window. Wow. <laughs> and the chaplain, who's the under-chaplain, in submission to this chaplain, looks and he's like, oh, now he never cast out demons before, he was a good Lutheran boy. And uh, he said, that's not in the Lutheran prayer book. <laughs> anyway, he was a great preacher though, man, could that guy preach. Anyway, um, we ended up getting the guy delivered from demons only after this. Um, I mean, the guy's name was Victor Estrada, who had demons and came in through Satanism. But the other guy, the Cuban guy, said to him, they're both Cubans, he says, David, bring him to me. Grabs him by the arm, he pulls him out. He says, God is more powerful. Neither talking to him, it's about Dios es más poderoso. They're back and forth, you know, this and that. And he says, Dios, hace un signo. Make a sign, God. And all of a sudden, I mean, in 45 seconds, the clouds rolled in. It became black. It was in Colorado. And all of a sudden, hail started falling out of nowhere. I mean, bam, 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 bam. And he says, get on your knees. You know, that's what you're you know. And he's down on his knees. And it was the sign to the Satanist that God of the Bible, Jesus Christ, was more powerful than Satan. Because he'd seen more power from Satanism than he'd ever seen in Christianity. And at that point, Victor Estrada then received Jesus because of this unusual sign. In the newspaper the next day, they said we had unexplained hail only over this one area. It was only over the prison. When he does it 
afresh. It gets people's attention. Three types of manifestations. Biblical manifestations, clearly lined out in Scripture. Anti-biblical manifestations that are clearly against Scripture. And then extra-biblical manifestations. You know, when you have gold dust appear, or manna, or you have gold teeth appear, and they're in Hebrew letters, and a Gentile goes with their new tooth to the dentist to get a checkup, and the dentist looks in the mouth, and the Hebrew letter is a word that means something specifically to them, and the Jewish dentist gets saved because of the sign in your mouth. That's fruit that can only come from God. Recently, Jeff's pastor just went to Minnesota to bury someone, and he was at somebody's house. And the presence of God came and gold dust began to appear all over his forehead and his wife's forehead and all over their arms. I didn't know this had happened. I walked into a restaurant and he, the, the pastor had been going through a lot. There had been church division and some other things. Horrible tests they'd been through. Long story short, I walked in. He looked younger and 20 pounds thinner and his face was glowing. I said, I sat down and I thought, well, it's not been that long since I've seen him. He's lost a lot of weight. You know, Skin was clear. Anyway, I said to him, I said, Rick, I said, you look twenty. I said, you look twenty pounds thinner, and about you know ten years younger. What happened? And then he shared with me. You see the fruit, and he's got his peace back. And now when he's praying for people, he's got power again. But I'm not moved by signs and wonders. I don't follow signs and wonders, and neither should you. Come on. Signs and wonders should follow you yeah. and me. These signs will follow them who believe. If signs aren't following you, get around somebody that those signs are following. And by association, they'll start to follow you. And the fruit will be, it will point people to Jesus. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20 the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm closing, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men's words, but in the power. It's better to have the fire of God mixed with a little wildfire of a person's unredeemed soul than to have no fire at all. Come on. Right. Are you willing to see some things birthed? Conception may be immaculate, but the birthing's not. If you want revival in your life, ask God to send it inside the circle. Tonight when you go home or here before you leave. And he will do it. But remember this, when he sends the fire, he's going to burn some things up. And fire burns things out. It also burns precious metals into permanence. So if you want the gold of the Lord to remain in your life, he's going to burn out the dross. Let us stand.
Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Prepare us for what is to come that we don't call good evil and evil good. Show us where we lack that we might be filled. Lord, we ask that you would remove condemnation from us, but you would triple conviction in us. <clears throat> that we would become so hungry and thirsty after you that you could do the things that you've been wanting to do that's been written in the books for us to do from before the foundation of the world. The good works that are preordained in Christ. I pray that you would begin to release into our lives whatever you desire, even if it's unusual to us. And it might be unusual to the people around us. We pray, Lord, that you would keep us in balance, that we would not become granola bar Christians that would be flaky, fruity, or nutty. We become balanced in the faith. And that you would purge our souls by the purity of your Holy Spirit and you would give others grace around us if we're not perfect in the process. Even as we ask for grace in the opposite situation. I just pray and release by the authority of Jesus' name everything that is needed to equip each individual for their individual bent or calling anointing spheres of influence but nothing is missing nothing is missing nothing is lacking and nothing is broken and I speak one word tonight I speak the word restore yes that's a prophetic word of the Lord restore unto them the years that the canker worm and the locust have eaten the palmer worm and the caterpillar have eaten restore unto them double for their trouble that might eat in plenty and never be ashamed I declare that the former glory shall be restored and the latter glory together. That others might know that the God that you serve is a restorer. That they might come to know Him and the power of His resurrection through you who've been restored double for your trouble. For your shame you shall receive glory in Him that He might be glorified. I speak the word in the name of Jesus. Restore double in Jesus' name. Those in agreement said, Amen. 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 Amen.